When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo. We say hi to Bill Bender, national writer with the Sporting News. Find and follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. Bill, what are you doing between now and bowl season, college football-wise? Are you able to cope? I know we're... Uh, we're a little lost <laughs> here in Nebraska, waiting for uh, well, waiting for a bowl season to actually happen. Well, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting on a off a jet. You know, you do this for 14 weeks and it's nonstop, and then you're kind of like the jet lag of no season and getting into the Heisman and the All American stuff that we do over at Sporting News. We're wrapping that kind of stuff up, so yeah, it, there's always something to do. And, and before you know it, the Bulls will be here. So. Still another month to go, but like you said, yeah, it was a fast regular season. It flew. You, you blink, and, and yeah, we're into December, and the uh, items that have been keeping Nebraska fans busy have been flight tracking and the portal for that uh, elusive option at quarterback. And I want to get uh, your take. Uh, you're in uh, Buckeye country. And what's your feel on Kyle McCord? Uh, Nebraska visited him. I know he's going to be coveted by other programs, and he may very well end up in the southeast somewhere. But it's not often you see an 11-1 starter uh, leave a program, and uh, that's what's happened at Ohio State. Yeah, stability. I mean, for Nebraska, if he were to come there, he didn't turn the ball over a lot. He had – one bad throw against Michigan, essentially, and another where he was hit on the arm. And I think he would be fine at Nebraska. He'd do a good job at Nebraska if they were to go that route. I think part of the, I guess, perception of Kyle McCord is clouded by the fact if you look at the guys that came before him, Haskins, Justin Field, uh, C.J. Stroud, all of those guys ended up in New York. And it's almost like you don't end up in New York as Ohio State's quarterback. That's the bar. Less pressure at Nebraska, I think, and he may actually thrive in that environment. Bill, in this time, I mean, there's so many names floating around that Husker fans, as soon as a name enters the portal, well, Nebraska's got to be in on this kid. The name of the day today was Trevor Etienne, and I think that's a, a pipe dream for Husker fans. But got Husker fans on Twitter saying, man, a perfect get for Nebraska. You have uh, McCord in the portal. You have Cameron Ward in the portal. I don't get your thoughts from the outside looking in. Is Nebraska just a transfer portal quarterback away or just a couple pieces away? What did you see this year from year one under Matt Rule? Do you think that that the Husker fan perception that, you know what, it's still an attractive place that could just be a couple pieces away, do you think that's accurate from your outside perspective? Yeah, I mean, they almost made a bull game. And, you know, I said that would have been the benchmark for a successful season this year. Um, not quite there. I think the Big Ten is going to change, obviously, with teams coming in and you know, what does that mean for Nebraska? I guess that's the question I want to see is when the Big Ten brings these new teams in next year, Nebraska will essentially be the midpoint geographically for the entire conference. How does that pay off with recruiting, the portal, the matchups, those kind of things? And I'm anxious to see it. So, 
I mean, there's ways to go. I thought there was improvement under Matt Rule. There can be more, but not quite ready for uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State yet. But to be honest, nobody was ready for Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten in the last three years. Bill, when we talk about the, the Big Ten landscape, and I know the NCAA president went on Twitter and put out a statement as well saying, all right, there's a proposal that could allow separation for a new subdivision, which would allow the, the haves to create their own rules re- regarding NIL and transfer. And, and you're, you're 60, 40 to 60 halves of college football could be in this college football uh, kingdom. And when it comes to the Big Ten, they're positioned for, for more options for an expanded playoff. The, the sense around here is, from an urgency standpoint, Nebraska needs to get good quick. And, you know, five and seven, almost six and six in a year one, all right. You saw some progress from Rule, but you're jumping to a year two with no divisions. And it's not about winning the Big Ten anymore. It's can you be a top three or top four option, arguably, for the, the playoff uh, when that expands to 12 next season. So how how important is year two for Nebraska with, with Matt Rule? Well, I mean, it's going to be important, yeah. You want to yeah, – the Big Ten's going to be harder. The middle of the Big Ten just became harder. You know, Washington and Oregon were top ten teams this year. USC hired a new coordinator and is going to be able to score points. It's different styles are coming into the conference. And, you know, so, yeah, it's important. Um but it's important for everybody. And I think Nebraska, you're, you're talking about these haves and have-nots. I still think if there were ever to be like a 32-team Super League, something like that, whatever, we've talked about these hypotheticals for a couple years now, Nebraska would be in that league. It'd be close. It'd be closer than it was maybe 25 years ago. Sure. But, yeah, they would, they would absolutely be in that league. It's Bill Bender with us here on Hale Varsity Radio looking ahead to the future of college football here a little bit. And, and Bill, would this not have been the perfect year to get the 12-team playoff installed while we look ahead to the perfect, <laughs> or the, the, the ideal future of college football? I mean, felt like uh, it would have set up perfectly for a 12-team playoff this year. I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, that's what we're headed towards. So, I mean, that, that dovetails into the Florida State question of had the alliance not happened, we would have had a 12-team playoff at this point. And mm-hmm. Florida State would be in the playoff. But I was texting buddies all weekend, and they were texting me. You know, they, they kept saying things like, they can't do this, and they can't do that, they can't do this. And I said, the committee can do whatever it wants, and it probably will. <laughs> so I can't say I can't say I was surprised that they put Alabama and Texas in the playoff. No, and listen, I, I think Florida State's tremendous. I, I don't think Florida State – in their current state, beats Alabama. I don't think they beat Georgia. And I don't know that, that they beat Bama with a healthy quarterback. Uh, I just I think Bama's playing better. I know Bama's not been vintage Bama. I mean, I like the playoff setup. If only there was a way that we could find out if Florida State would win these matchups. Right. Man. Like, I don't know, play the game, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, so, so you're not – you don't have many ob- objections to the way it – kind of shook out i mean i think georgia georgia's got an argument too i know their only loss in the last 29 games was a three-pointer to to bama no i i think the 
committee got it wrong from the standpoint that Florida State deserved to be in and had the resume and at the heart of competition if the goal is to win all your games and be one of the Power Five champions with an unbeaten record. Had Georgia won, it wouldn't have been. It's so crazy to think that if Georgia wins, I think they take the four unbeaten teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think they take Texas over Florida State. But because Georgia lost, it got complicated. So the committee had to make a difficult choice. So while I think Florida State should have been in, I understand that they basically selected scenario, which, believe it or not, creates the least amount of outrage. That might not make sense, but I can imagine what this week would have been like down south had Alabama been left out or down in Texas had, for some reason, Florida State and Alabama been in the playoffs. You made a great point right there uh, with, all right, who who can uh, manage their emotions the best? <laughs> well, I saw a video going around this week of a young gentleman in a Tallahassee church on Sunday morning. Praying? Uh, praying, and then as soon as the, the announcement comes, he's streaming on his phone, he just gets up and walks out of church. <laughs> That's when you need to hunker I mean, down. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot of emotion in this sport. And Florida State, like I said, they have a right to be angry, but... Again, and I'll, you know, I've I used this analogy all week that if you gave people the truth serum over the next, you know, on January 1st, if you say, tell the truth, and you're watching Michigan and uh, Alabama, Rose Bowl, which should be fun, and about halfway through the first quarter, if you ask somebody, hey, would you rather be watching Michigan, Florida State right now? Their answer is not going to be yes. It would be no, this game's fine. Mm hmm. Well, Bill, as you look ahead to the college football playoff, how do you forecast it? Who's your favorite? Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that's the crazy part. I think they're probably going to win the national title. And I think the Michigan game should be a lot of fun. It's a big spot game for Michigan. Obviously, a lot's gone on on and off the field for the Wolverines this year. But, you know, play Alabama twice since 2012, and there was just a difference with what Alabama had. Now, has that changed? This Michigan defense is as good a defense as they've ever had on the field. And we'll see if that translates against the Crimson Tide. And they've had some injuries on that offensive line. So I think Alabama wins. I think Texas wins. Washington, Texas should be a lot of fun for those quarterbacks. I think you get a rematch in Houston. And in rematch games, we know how those go with Nick Saban. So it's hard not to pick the Crimson Tide to win this thing. So what's your gut tell you about Harbaugh and Michigan. I know they're working on a five-year extension for $11 million. That's all well and good. Do you think Jimbo runs it back, or do you think he's eyeing the NFL? Do you think he's eyeing the Chargers? Do you think he's eyeing Chicago? I mean, I I, I don't know Harbaugh at all. I mean, I've seen him just like you have at, at media days, and he just wants to win at the highest level. I still think there's a pit in his stomach with the uh, the Super Bowl about 10 years ago. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I, I still think predicting Harbaugh is so difficult. If I had to guess, I think he comes back. I think, you know, he served six games, suspension. They move on from that. You know, he could, but I could see it either way. You know, if the Chargers are, I don't know that the Bears are it, but if the Chargers or Raiders in particular mm -hmm. make a pitch, then maybe he goes back out west. You know, he, it was the big thing with getting him to Michigan was prying him off the West Coast. And that was really hard when he was at San Diego and, and at Stanford. So if he goes to the NFL, I could see him going to the West Coast and see him going to the Chargers. And 
But, you know, the Chargers have to fire their coach first for that to happen. And I don't think any of that's going to unfold until after they play against Alabama. What's your synopsis on the year of prime? How it started, how it ended, the mass exodus from his coaching staff. I know they got a five-star offensive tackle today. The Buffs did. But sure. what you, uh what'd you make of year one with Dion? I mean, the first month I haven't seen uh, in all the years I've covered uh, college football sporting news, haven't seen a phenomenon like it. But like all phenomenons, it can burn real bright and, and it shorted out in the second half of the season. So I would argue that this year was a success for Colorado. They won one game the year before. They improved by three. Most people – Reasonable people had them at four and eight or five and seven as a best case scenario. Now, how does he recruit and keep that momentum going? Um, that attention because the expectations will be higher in year two, especially if Shador Sanders stays and Travis Hunter and those guys are still there, obviously, and they add some more guys. Now, are they going to be a serious contender in the Big 12? So I would say, you know, the. Because he did improve. You did get a lot of attention on the program, but the second half of the season showed just how much work that job's really going to be. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Bender, a couple more minutes with his sporting news. Hale Varsity Radio at Bill Bender 92. Follow him on Twitter. Read his uh, just great work for many years uh, covering college football, some NFL as well. Bill, last thought, we'll get you out. Thanks for chatting with us. Uh, which program do you think can can take a step forward? Florida right now has been through the ringer with coaching changes, and they missed a bowl of game again this year. You've got a mass exodus of, of some of their stars, or at least perceived recruiting stars. Ohio State's had a lot of their class depart, but Ohio State's still real, real good. And then A&M with Elko. Is A&M finally going to get to that finish line where they're as good as they think they are? Yeah, you know, we'll find out. I think A&M, obviously, I think Mike Elko was a make-sense hire. So they hired Colin Klein as their offensive coordinator. Just no nonsense is going to be good for that program for a minute because it got a little silly the last two years with Jimbo Fisher. You know, Florida – Billy Napier, I thought it wouldn't go much better, much faster. Obviously, there was a lot of issues from day one, and it comes down. But I would say with them, patience is required from the standpoint of, if you look at State, uh, that's a great example. People were trying to run Mike Norbell out of town, and they had that breakthrough year this year because they used the transfer portal effectively. So both of those programs, spots, kind of stuck in neutral, and for Texas A&M in particular, I think a Mike Elko hire will do them good. It just might – you have to be patient. And both of those places, they don't know what patient means. Well, Nebraska fans are, are working on patience. Uh, year one versus the last five-plus uh, with with just record and, and one-score losses. In your world, what what's the word on, on Marcus Satterfield? What What's his reputation? Because that's been a lot of where the arrows have been fired – this season and into the off season. Well, you know, you know, continued development. Obviously, offense is, uh, is you want to score. The name of the game is putting up a bunch of points, but the name of the big game, game in the Big Ten is a little bit different. You know, Ohio State scores a ton of points, and it kind of circles back to our Kyle McCord discussion. Mm-hmm. They they scored a ton of points this year. 
they have a wide open offense. It's based on throwing the football more than running the ball. And yet, when you get in those big time games in the Big Ten, Michigan proved that when you win the running game and you have a tough defense, and there's that there is a way to win that way. It's not quite the way Nebraska won in the '90s, but it's a cousin of that. Mm-hmm. So. I think as they continue to evolve in that running game around a good, solid quarterback, they'll be fine. It's Bill Bender with us here. And, Bill, I know we said last question about two questions ago, so maybe we'll call this <laughs> This overtime. is the last question. <laughs> but I promise this one is the last question. Mm-hmm. It's not sports-related. You're a known lover of awesomely bad 80s movies. And tis <laughs> this season, what is your favorite awesomely bad Christmas movie? I mean, I don't – you know, Christmas Vacation is good, obviously. I'm – you know, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, we'll watch all those, all the classics. I think uh, Christmas Story is good. Um, of all the holiday movies, though, Home Alone and Home Alone 2 are probably my two favorites. It's, it's always a good one, and uh, I don't know how Harry and Marv survived that. I know. I mean, they're still uh, they're still in the burn unit. I mean, it's it's not good with poor, with poor Marv. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Home Alone Two, I believe, is the only Christmas movie to feature Donald Trump in the movie. Well, it depends what version yeah, you have. He makes a cameo. Yeah. So uh, I've, I've seen those. The kids like those movies a lot, and uh, we enjoy them. But uh, you know, Harry and Marv, obviously, they they were. Uh, they, I wonder what team they were rooting for when they were college football fans. No, they're totally Auburn fans. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> totally Auburn fans. Uh, Bill, you take care. Happy holidays to you and your fam, and we'll get caught up again. Thanks for the time. No problem. Thanks for having me all.